Hello and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And you're joining us today for our recap and discussion of Brissinger, book three in the Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini. I definitely had mixed feelings on this one. I have some mixed feelings as well. I mean, they're they're certainly encapsulated, encapsulated, encapsulized, yeah, sure. maybe just encapsulated in flaming swords, dragon fights, aerial combat, and like shade magic powers. So like, you know, that was awesome. Yeah, you had mentioned something to me. You texted me uh, before I had finished the book and you told me something along the lines of, you know, this is packaged as like an action adventure fantasy series, but it, it I think it's a little more than that it's definite it's more is the right word for this book but <laughs> but it's definitely more than that i feel like it's also there's a certain drama to everything there's a certain introspection to these books that i feel like isn't really the way that they're advertised you know they're just so much slower than i went into them thinking that they would be because i had read aragon when i was a lot younger and i had reread it and i hadn't really gotten into the meat of this series and it really just like the action dial turns down the pacing dial turns down and i feel like what paulini might have been trying to do was instead of writing this kind of like quick like action fantasy series which is part of it i think he was also like doing character studies and he found this world that he had created along the way and was like i'm gonna go hard with this i'm gonna go as deep into this as i feel like this is gonna be a big experiment on world building and character building and things like that and i think that for the most part this does a pretty decent job at it but also it really fumbles sometimes into just these these holes where it's just exposition and just kind of like philosophizing and just wandering around in a moral quandary for a couple chapters and it's just like wait what is going on right now where are we what's happening you know i couldn't agree more you kind of perfectly um expounded upon my single kind of half-cocked statement of uh, previously like you mentioned of like this is almost feels more of a drama than it does an action adventure my brain remembers my like 15 year old brain was like, this is a dragon action romp. And now that I'm reading it with a little bit more of an introspective or um, let's call it matured uh, sure. view. Yet there's a lot more than that just going on. And I think you also kind of nailed it when you said that I feel like he's almost kind of experimenting with his story and his storytelling. It's as if Paulini realizes that he's good at a lot of other different types of storytelling and building a story and character and, and kind of we're taken along with him as he um, sometimes really well and sometimes kind of fumbles a little bit in building the skills that makes him a more complete, well-rounded writer. Yeah, I mean, like from a bird's eye view, there was an interesting series of events happening. A dragon's over, eye view, perhaps. A, a dragon's eye view. But zooming in, there are a lot of gaps where it feels like nothing much of consequence is really happening. There was some character development here. But I also felt like some characters were kind of pushed more into the background when I wanted to see more of them. Or we saw a lot of a character, but there wasn't really much substance or growth there. You know, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is the one I like the least. Absolutely. Same. It just it felt way too long, like 750 pages. I feel like you could condense the, the, the really important scenes in this book down to like maybe 200 pages there was a lot of uh, running there's so many there's so <laughs> many like conversations around campfires that don't really necessarily mean that much you know i mean like a, a really good example is like aria 
and Aragon have like a really meaningful conversation. We like dig more into Arya's backstory. Then we like don't see Arya again for like the rest of the book. So it's like she's just gone. Well, what was that about? But you know what? I mean, I still think, and I'm gonna hold myself to this. I still think we've got another book ahead of us. It's 850 pages long. It's Oof. supposed. It's the climax. So my hopes are still high, even though this kind of dragged them down a little bit, just because it felt kind of like a chore to get through the the really slow parts. But I mean. There's still peaks. There's still action. Yes. There's still dragons. There's still swords. There's still magic. There's still fire. Uh, those things are still happening. But um, yeah, just the the parts between them. I was just like, wow, this chapter's yeah. not over yet. Oh wow, this scene isn't over yet. Oh wow, this conversation isn't over yet. Like, oh wait, what? Right. What else do they have to talk? There's a. <laughs> I know we're gonna get into the recap. There's a part where Aragon is out in the plains or whatever after he gets he's running away from Helgrind and he scries to Islandari the queen of the elves in Elis Mira, they kind of have like this weird back and forth for like three pages of just <laughs> yeah. of, of like formalities and her he kind tells of, her like i gotta be fist fast about this yeah i know and she's just like well uh i heard about what you did and he's like oh you heard about what i did and she's like yeah and what you did kind of made me kind of upset and he's like oh well i had to do the thing that i had that i had to do and islandari is just like well maybe and aragon's like yeah i kind of did and it's, it's just he's like, like but this... let me explain first and then afterwards she's like so like i was exactly correct and you are kind of being a dumbass like <laughs> <laughs> and then they had their conversation conversation you know yeah. it was just like man i feel like it's a little bit of this could be pared down but anyway there are some there are some things i want to dig into here uh, that i really enjoyed obviously and uh, let's get into it right after the recap here let's do it aragon Safira, and rorin travel to Hellgrind, the home of the razak there they rescue rorin's betrothed katrina held prisoner and kill three of the razak Safira, Rorin, and Katrina return to the Varden, while Aragon stays behind. Aragon slays the remaining Razak, who warns him that Galbatorix is close to discovering the name. Aragon also finds and condemns Sloane, Katrina's treacherous father, to never meet his daughter again, and arranges for him to travel to Elismera, the elven homeland. Aragon then travels back to the Varden after reuniting with Arya, who has come in search of him. Once they return to the Varden, Aragon discovers that Katrina is pregnant with Rorin's child, and a wedding is arranged, which Aragon is to conduct. Just before it begins, a small force of troops attack alongside Murtag and his dragon Thorn. The soldiers had spells cast on them that removed their ability to feel pain, making them unstoppable unless slain. Elven spellcasters aid Aragon and Saphira and cause Murtag and Thorn to flee, barely winning the battle. After the fight, Rorin marries Katrina. The leader of the Varden, Naswada, orders Aragon to attend and lend his influence in the election of the new dwarf king in the Beor Mountains, while Saphira stays behind to protect the Varden. Aragon is to support the bid of Oric, the former king's adoptive son who favors the Varden. Aragon heads to Farthendur, where the election takes place. Once there, Aragon is the target of an assassination attempt, perpetrated by a rider-hating dwarf clan, whom Oric forces into exile. Having earned the sympathies of the dwarves, Oric is elected the new king. Saphira journeys to Farthendur for Oric's coronation and repairs Isidar Mithrim, the previously destroyed Star Rose. After Oryx's coronation, 
Aragon and Saphira journey to Elismera to learn the secret of Galbatorix's power. There, they learn that Aragon's deceased mentor, Brom, was Aragon's father. Later, Aromas's dragon also reveals the source of Galbatorix's power, Eldunari, a dragon organ which allows its holder to communicate with and draw energy from the dragon it belongs to, even if the dragon is deceased. Galbatorix spent years collecting Eldunari, drawing his power from the dragons he slew. After some training, Aragon visits Runon, the elven blacksmith who forged swords for the riders. Runon refuses to forge Aragon a new sword, having sworn to never create a weapon again, and having depleted her stock of the required metal. By deciphering the werecat Solombum's instructions, Aragon acquires the metal from under the roots of the Manoa tree. Runon forges him a sword by controlling Aragon's body, and he names it Bursinger, which causes it to burst into flames whenever its name is said aloud. Aromis and Glader decide to join the battle against the Empire alongside Islanzadi to prevent Galbatorx from claiming his Eldunari should he fall in combat, and to continue guiding Aragon, Glader gives his Elundari to Aragon. In the midst of the previous events, Rorin is sent on various missions as a soldier of the Varden. One mission against soldiers that can't feel pain results in many casualties. During another mission, his commander also causes the entire force to be decimated. Rorin takes charge of a small group of soldiers loyal to him and leads them to victory against overwhelming odds. Despite this, Rorin is charged with insubordination and is flogged as punishment. Afterwards, Nasuata promotes Rorin to commander and sends his unit on a mission with both men and Urgles to enforce the idea of men and Urgles working together. When an Urgle, Yarbog, challenges Rorin for leadership of the unit, he wrestles him into submission. After returning to the Varden, his squad joins the siege of Feinster. As the siege begins, Aragon joins Arya and departs to find the leader of the city, but discovers three magicians attempting to create a shade. While attempting to kill the magicians, Aragon has a vision through Glader's Elundari, showing him and Aromis fighting Murtag and Thorn in the sky. During the fight, Galbatorix takes control of Murtag and tries to lure Aromis to his side. Failing to do so, he slays Aromis after he suffers a seizure. Later, in grief, is also killed. After the vision, the magicians succeed in creating the shade Varog. Aragon and Arya fight and slay Varog, with Arya dealing the fatal blow. After the successful siege, Aragon resolves to continue the fight against the Empire to avenge Aromis and Glader. Some, some events happened, um, but I feel like we're kind of mostly in the same spot we were at the end of eldest <laughs> except yeah we Aragon. went backwards we went forwards we went backwards we went forwards a little bit we went uh we didn't get enough training so we had to go back and train more i, I would say one really of my training though i'm sorry to interrupt you but no, like, was it, i mean like aragon's like oh man like i gotta we gotta we gotta go we gotta go train and then he scries he even like facetimes uh Ormus, <laughs> and, he, and he's like hey can we do this over the phone and Ormus is like no it's got to be in person man. it's got to no, no, come man. here this, we got yeah, so much listen. training to do and then he yeah. gets there and it's like it totally could have been an email you know absolutely just... could have been an email we had a meeting over this wow it's but i mean yeah it's uh 
that's so funny that that (laughs) threw in a little a little nitpick there but yeah um we're, we're i feel like you know we it's the same amount of like resolve as we had at the end of the last book uh, I mean, Aragon's, uh, Aragon's got a new sword, which is cool. Uh, Katrina's not being held prisoner, so that's cool, too. Let me I stop guess. you there. Let's talk about Roran and Katrina, because that is something I really liked, both in their relationship and the growth of Roran as a character. And and maybe not as a character, but as his position, power, influence um, amongst the Varden. I thought it was a really cool path of him kind of starting low, getting that talking to from Nasuada of, like, you know, you present me with some problems and that... If I just make you a common foot soldier, obviously you're going to go to waste by what you've proven yourself capable of. And also, you're Aragon's kin, so you're kind of going to be lauded regardless of your actual skill. So she kind of puts him through some trials, and he certainly rises to the occasion and and fulfills all and and then exceeds her expectations. Um, I, I just really liked his growth path, and the chapters with him were super exciting. His It was nice to hear the perspective of a soldier who's just a soldier who's not just like flinging pebbles through people taking on 20 guys but being wild i think probably one of my favorite like individual scenes was the varden they're in the small little group and they're attacking this one of galbatorix's like i think it's just like a supply train and there's like four or five soldiers who have backed themselves into this ring of wagons and the other soldiers are trying to the varden soldiers are trying to get them but they're having trouble with the the defensive barrier between them roran after just pursuing this other guy who tried to flee on horseback taking him down (laughs) by scaring him and then crushing his kneecap uh he's like full galloping at the wagons from the opposite direction right at the end gets on the back of snowfire (laughs) just jumps clearing the wagons and just crashes into the middle of them then just goes on a hammer rampage and kills everyone inside which was awesome and then his commanding officer was like you'll do (laughs) yeah um i don't okay I mean, let me see if I can. Okay. So I liked uh, Roran and Katrina. That was sweet. It was nice that we've got uh, some love there. We've seen what we're fighting for. Reciprocated and everything. love. Yeah. Yeah. Reciprocated love is, <laughs> is nice. Um, Katrina is very sweet. They've got a kid on the way. Uh, all of that makes sense. Like them getting married, the baby, all of that. Um, even to a certain extent, Naswada kind of being in a little bit of a predicament here because, you know, she can't just like automatically make Roran this commanding officer just because of who he's related to that would look weird i thought that the reasoning behind that was pretty sound for sure and having to throw warren to the wolves so to speak to kind of like prove his metal a little Mm -hmm. bit but i also thought that uh those chapters could have been probably combined and trimmed down a little bit just because i mean it's like we've got this whole chapter where warren kind of proves himself and that was like pretty lengthy. And then we've got like another chapter where Warren like, proves himself. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I just thought it was a lot of kind of like the same, like, all right, Warren's fighting people. All right, Warren's, Warren's fighting, fighting more people. people. But you know, it's fine. Um, I mean, I'm but, a sucker for battle, so maybe I was yeah, just like, yay, no, action! And and, and Paulini does a really good job with battles. He he does a good job at like he doesn't do like the R.A. Salvatore thing where it's kind of just like spinning scimitars. He kind of like <laughs> skittering he, and he kind of like around uses he utilizes the environment and like the context of the battle in a really interesting way in almost all of the battles, which is really nice to read. For yeah, sure. he does. Um, I I don't like that Roran is whipped. I thought that was weird and I wanted to ask you about it. Like that's why you... I stopped my paragraph yeah. before I got there. 
<laughs> I mean, did you think it was necessary for Naswada to order Warren to be to be whipped? I thought it was a little bit extra. I thought that was a little bit too much. Um, I think that if Warren had been insubordinate in a way that had gotten somebody hurt, but still the mission succeeded, I think that would have made a lot more sense. But he, it's very obvious that without him on that specific mission and just regarding every other time that he's proved himself it's like it's very obvious that on that specific mission they would have all died if not for him so i feel like whipping him 50 times publicly just for not following one single order is just for optics is really weird i didn't like it um i don't know what what are your thoughts on that i agree and correct me if my memory was wrong but the thing that i felt especially that was like okay was i think he even kind of tried to follow the order first and then when all things were going to hell he was like okay now we're doing it my way because we're obviously going to go slaughtered if we stay this course it's like what kind of message does that send to roran and also it roran was very troops i just didn't like the way that roran reacted to it in the text either you know what i mean i didn't like how he was like well, I don't like it, but we got to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. And it's like, wait, what? You're not even going to like try to defend yourself here? Like, right. Like, like you... but I mean, like, let's not forget. I also saved the day and I wouldn't even be here, nor would any of the other troops to have this conversation. It's like if you're going to build Warren up as like this kind of like berserker, like this kind of like hot headed berserker, like commit to that. You know what I mean? Don't right. make him be exactly like Aragon would be in this situation with Naswada because Aragon would totally show his belly there, too. You know what I mean? I mean, he's just, but it's it's <laughs> like no, like this is this is Roran we're talking about here. He's the hot-headed, like he's like he's supposed to be different than Aragon, and I, it's just kind of it was just kind of disappointing to see like him kind of fold in this situation and like not defend himself when he has in like every other situation. And he's just like I have to prove how committed I am to this cause, and it's like, dude, you kind of already did, and this is really unfair, you know? Right? I don't know. I didn't it could like have been scene. used. Same. I, it could have been used as a way for him to challenge Nasuada and her like leadership and kind of because she's new yeah. at this too. And he'd be like, no, check this out. And then laid it out from his point of view. And then her to be like, you know what? You're correct. Like you should have been doing you, you. You're right. You should have done that. You made the right move. And in fact, and then like explaining it to the troops, because all they I was kind of, you know, you're right in that. Like, what does it say to Roran? But also, what does it say to the rest of the army? Like, OK, so. You can be like insubordinate, but you have to win the day. And if yeah. you do win the day, then like you just get whipped and but then you'll probably be made a commander. So like, man, if you're going to. It's a lot you're of really mixed doubt. signals. To yeah, the it's like, I don't know. That, it's confusing and, I, and downright contradictory at worst. <laughs> you know what, though? Like, I mean, Naswada is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting characters in this whole series because of the position that she's in. Uh, the 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 knives thing i can't remember what i was, it was gonna called. say Ooh, yeah that was such an awesome scene like that the was trial like of the, the long knives that I was think. like one of the best scenes in the entire series in my opinion like naswada is such a badass and like it i was bleeding right along with her i i think that uh the audience really needed that from naswada like just to kind of like show just how committed she is and like she's like kind of like the the paragon leader of this whole uh, situation of the Varden and everything she deserves that role too and I thought that was like just super creatively done super well done um just the fact that she was kind of like paired up against this gigantic just brute and he totally passes out <laughs> it's just so great the pain that she felt you know Pauline does a really good job I feel like of describing pain and allowing you inside someone else's head when they're experiencing 
like some of the worst things that a person can go through. And that was one of them where it's like every slice and like even going so far as to like make sure that it was a full swipe. And then her, you know, cause like one is like tough, but it's like, if I just have to get through one, it's like, okay. But then at the end when she's almost about to go, she does it twice. Wow. Wow. Just to be like best that. And uh, Faduar, I think his name was, was just like, I'm done, man. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, I really, I really like that. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I get that Naswada has to, there's a certain amount of optics when it comes to this, this brand of leadership, how intense her role is and all of this. But I don't know. I just thought that that scene was really out of sorts uh, with Roran and just all the Roran stuff. That was kind of like at the top of the episode, I said that we, there were a couple characters that we like got to see a lot of, but I didn't really feel a lot of growth. Roran was one of them. He's basically the exact same character at the end of this as he was at the beginning of Eldest, you know? And it was just... positionary growth. He, like, didn't level up by his character, but by his Station. position. He's, like, a higher rank now, you know? responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see some more Roran chapters in Inheritance and just kind of see, like, how he's able to really affect things on the ground while Aragon is kind of doing his writer thing. And I feel like it's, Warren's a much more endearing character, which I think also adds insult to injury. Cause like, I just didn't like seeing him just take that. I don't know. Maybe mm -hmm. he should, I don't know anything about being in an army. So maybe, maybe that's the move, but I don't know. One thing I did kind of like was their um, Roran and Katrina's argument where she was like, I'm leaving. It was like the opposite where, you know, back in Carvajal, he's like, you got to go into the woods with the children because I need you to be protected. And this time she was like, I and, he, she, and you know, she was very opposed. This time she was like, I need to go away for the sake of our baby in order to, for the baby to be protected. And he was like, no, you can't be leaving. And it was like <laughs> the opposite argument they had in the previous book which i yeah, thought but was I just thought kind of it funny. made sense it's like why is katrina oh, totally. even here right now like get right. out of here why is horse's wife here yeah, why also is anybody Jeez. here this is like the frontline varden camp they've been this is the they're going to another battle soon speaking of though i had another question why did naswada send aragon to this to back to farthendur for this dwarven election because like, i mean it seems like Aragon really needs to be at the Varden camp because they're about to go fight any day now. They're going to go get into another battle. They uh, almost did just I, lost. Did I miss something here? Like, did I miss like why Aragon had to be present for this? I mean, was it because of the the obligation that he had kind of made to the dwarf clan that he is now uh, technically a part of, or like, did the I was it because like Aragon's presence there would would make the dwarves like more kind of agreeable to what the Varden I thought the dwarves were already kind of like on their side by letting them be in Farthendur and stuff I, I don't know I think this was her logic and it it kind of makes sense so I think she was saying because you are an honorary member of this dwarven clan and you obviously now have sway you have privilege to join this um this vote if you will and, and have some influence well he has some influence right. and he can actually well, join the maybe. proceedings yeah um I think <laughs> Her her logic here was if an elected if the dwarves elect someone who is not favorable to continue helping the Varden, we will probably lose this fight. Like we absolutely 100 percent have to have the dwarves or we're going to lose probably. So if we don't have them, we're 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 kaputs. And so it is so important. We're going to take the queen out of our board and send him away because we need 
this support. And if he can be the one little shove that pushes them across the line of electing Oric, someone favorable to the Varden, as opposed, then it is important enough to do that, which... <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, though. I mean, because like, like as soon as Aragon gets there, the dwarves are in a much more divided space than they would have been initially so, I mean, and him. it's like hard to say whether or not i mean okay so so let's, let's dig into this just a little bit okay. because a lot of the critique that i saw for this book before we started this episode was that people really didn't like the dwarven uh king choosing thing which uh, it's funny because i really liked it a lot i thought it was great because it's a nice change of pace it's a nice change of scenery even though we're back at farther door but there's new characters the dwarves are always interesting dwarf kids kind of cool it's, it's neat i don't i didn't mind it i liked the journey there with one of the ergols uh that i really liked which we'll talk about later yeah i mean i thought most of that was a pretty good deal deviation from what was going on here but i don't know whether or not it was a good idea from naswada's perspective initially to send aragon there i guess it makes a little bit more sense retroactively because like aragon gets there and then there's an assassination attempt on aragon by one of the dwarven clans which kind of pushes the dwarves which i guess uh, yeah now that i'm thinking about it but I guess she didn't because... know that was going to happen exactly well i guess it doesn't really matter but <laughs> but i really loved oric's speech before yeah. like while they were trying to kind of um uh during that part where they're they're trying to accuse this other clan of the assassination attempt on aragon Oric's speech was really great Oric puts all of these dwarves in their place he calls them out on their past their present and potentially uh, future inaction in a way that wasn't even really insulting it was just factual and really right. the only way that he was going to get through to his peers so I guess it does make sense because the assassination attempt on Aragon's life probably pushed them over a little bit and made it so that Oric could like use that and say, okay, look at this. Like we're down to killing dragon riders now. Like this is ridiculous. You know, people like, clearly on our own side. So what I'm wondering is these there are clans of the dwarves that don't want to help the Varden at all. But I didn't really see like a ton of reasoning for it besides they just didn't really want to. Like, were they, they did, the, do these clans just believe that if they stay neutral and stay out of it, it won't affect them at all? Is that kind of their line of thinking about it? Yeah, it's briefly talked about when Oric and Aragon kind of get in their kerfuffle. Uh, Oric saying like the opposing side thinks that if we just kind of stay out of the way, you know, we're very self-sufficient in our own little tunnel system here. If we just stay out of the way, Galbatorx will just leave us alone, be like, well, there's more trouble than they're worth sort of thing. Um, though I think the two things going against that point of view is one, Galbatorx has proven time and time again that his need for all encompassing power is pretty large. And also two, Farthendur was almost near on taken over by Galbatorx. Like, yeah. clearly that's months not... Ago. I guess they were housing the Varden at the time, but... But still. still yeah. Seems like way out of his way to send a bunch of Urgles down there to take them out. So it's like that that position seems to be already defeated in my mind. See, what... Um, I You know, I, I usually try not to, like, uh, rewrite stuff. I don't think that's very entertaining uh, on my part or our part as, as critics or reviewers or whatever, but I do think it would have been... A lot more interesting if one of these dwarven clans instead of like trying to assassinate aragon had like kind of already gone over to galvatorix i thought that would have been like a way better conflict than just 
they want to kill Aragon because their ancestors are upset or whatever. And like, yeah, I guess, but like, it's just maybe give us a mid battle with dwarf. Yeah, on dwarf. I felt like there wasn't there wasn't really like a good enough reason for like that that schism, like that we divide wanna. between the clan. Yeah, it's just like, oh, we're scared, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, but that does it kind of just doesn't really fit in my opinion, like with the dwarves, like temperament with their history with their lore it feels a lot more like these dwarven clans would take a lot more action to try to avoid being swept up into this war other than just like staying neutral which i don't know uh I right it's like the... shouldn't you guys be trying to get revenge like galvatorx just killed your king like don't you wanna you're part of this fight now right like yeah, you can't I mean, like, be like no Morazan... we'll just hide it's like you you crossed that bridge man yeah. i don't know but i do like auric a lot auric is probably one of my favorite characters um Along with Naswada and um, Safira, I think. There's kind of like a subtle lesson in uh, both Roran putting aside his finding of Katrina until the people of Carvajal are safe. And, you know, Oric put aside his marriage to his boo for a long time, traveling to um, the elven homeland with Aragon. And it was kind of like a, I don't know, I, I hope, I don't know if Aragon picked up on it, but it was kind of like a, hey, man. Like maybe, maybe you should just set aside your own yearnings, um, romantically speaking, when there's so many more people at play here that can be benefited if you just kind of keep stay the course and focus. And, you know, this these people have like actually arranged marriages, whereas like your flirtatious yearnings uh, <laughs> might is not really the focus of what you should be having. I look at these other examples of people who managed to set aside their reciprocated love. Uh, for the greater good and maybe you should um perhaps do the same sir i mean i really liked that 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 kind of took a back seat in this book i thought i I was like at the end of eldest that was one of the things i was worried about with brissinger it was like okay oh man and and then we got like a little taste of it when aria and aragon were talking and stuff and aria brings up like her her ex-boyfriend that died tragically and yeah you know all this stuff and i thought it was really cool and i want to sweaty like well did did you like like him (laughs) (laughs) but but what i did like and i kind of wanted to go over this just a little bit more too is that you know so i after two and a half episodes of this i think it's pretty clear i i don't really like aragon as a main character i don't like that he's the main (laughs) pov character that i have to read in this series because i don't think he's very interesting and i think he's mostly annoying and i don't like the progression that he's taken i don't like how much he whiffle and waffles on everything i don't like how confused he is about everything it's just he, right. he's not a to very meet compelling... to not meet to kill to not kill but with that said i think that brissinger this this book i think his temperament is is a lot better and he's a lot more patient and he's a lot there's like multiple moments in this book where uh, you know a good example is when he's uh there's like during the trial or whatever for trying to figure out who assassinated him there's like multiple parts where people say really insulting things about him and aragon from book one would have spoken up and been a total little asshole rash but he i there's a lot of growth in that specific aspect that i really liked reading in this book and i hope that it continues on like i'm not saying that i want aragon to be like this stoic like never gets upset character or anything but i did like seeing that quite a bit but also but also <laughs> i got really sick of aragon just not knowing how he feels about stuff like for so much yeah. of this book and it's like think less i mean maybe maybe this is a pretty unfounded opinion of mine i don't think it is but maybe i i it's like, dude, the, the, this is 
you're about to go try to save the world. Like you need to just start committing to stuff, man. Like I like there mm-hmm. like there's no 100% correct answer about anything. There's no 100% right way to do things. You're never going to not feel bad about stuff when you're literally one of the main gears that is turning a whole world war. You know what I mean? Like it's just and I know it sucks, but but like you 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 this is kind of bigger than how you feel about things right at this next point. time kill like, sloan man okay yeah we could talk about <laughs> sloan i think you should have just killed him like should've just I, killed him like i in my opinion and maybe maybe this is intentional on palini's part because it's an interesting thing to think about for sure and aragon still is young and fairly inexperienced and he's 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 constantly trying to do the right thing and then second guessing his own <laughs> but then yeah i mean like i think that um resigning sloan to live blind in a place he's never been before and never be able to see his daughter again is almost it's it's worse than just killing him yeah i mean sloan even says just kill me yeah and aragon's like no i know better than you and i'm gonna do and it's just i don't know i thought that was just it it was not only like not aragon's call for one thing uh he took all of sloan's autonomy away from him and it also it's a huge side quest it's a it's a huge time sink and everyone's really annoyed with aragon about it because there's way more different things to focus on he put his own life in danger like think about it Mm -hmm. aragon put his life in more mortal danger doing that than he had been since maybe the varden attack or like since he fought morzan or whatever i mean since he was in an uh, all-out battle but he put himself in so much danger for this and it's like dude think about the amount like if you died think about the amount of people that would die because you weren't around to be the writer that you're supposed to be like just for this person who's been pretty reprehensible and downright betrayed by killing literally asked you to kill him you know i mean i don't know i i think uh it's a pretty good presentation of a sticky situation for sure but i just i don't know i think he should have just I don't know if Aragon should have killed him, but I think he should have just left Sloan there or something. Yeah. Or, uh, or just like left the gate unlocked, maybe like you're at your own devices or something, you know? And I know he's like, well, you know, if I let Roran know, then it'll, Roran will be like maybe needing to seek revenge or something. Uh, I don't know. I think he put way too much thought in the wrong direction. It should have just been like, I, I don't know. I think he probably should, should have been like ending. And it's, and it's said multiple times that like the, writers kind of are the police of the police and he keeps saying like i i'm in no position to be casting death you know be the judge jury and executioner here and it's like while yes you should not just like take the staff of judge jury and executioner and be like it's me everybody you that should be very tempered but in this situation and i think a lot of others i think the dragon writers kind of were created to be this third party position that could be like yeah we are going to cast judgment and yes you will feed my dragon today. Well, I mean, he's doing that by letting him live anyway. He's right. still making a choice. Like he's, he's still like, here's being... a staff and you're yeah. self-loathing. Have yeah, fun. Exactly. And it's <laughs> like he's still he is still ultimately the one that's making this decision and he's the one that decided to make it. So I don't know. I don't I just uh I just don't really like Aragon very much. I no. just like I, I like Roran, I like Safira, I like Naswada, I like Arya, I like Oric. I just Aragon I, think, for... I even like King Orin. <laughs> I like King Orin too. In fact, cool. there was a really cool conversation. Uh, uh, okay. 
uh, there's a really cool conversation about between um, Orin and Nasuada when Nasuada's kind of throwing her weight around and Orin's like, hey, hey. And I just felt it was really real because a real king would be this. He's like, I feel like I've given you everything, like power, money, control, influence over a lot of my own people. And you just keep taking more. And I'm not going to be treated like I'm not the king here. I still am the king. And while it was a little bit of him maybe pettily throwing his weight around, I thought that it was a very realistic thing for someone in his position to do. And I was glad that the conversation happened and that it was it was just resolved in a cool way. And he kind of like put his foot down in a little bit that I just felt was like, yeah, that's how a real King would have played it. Yeah. And like Niswada's position, I mean, she's, a, she's effectively the general, the leader of a rebel group. Right. And that's fine. And it's a very high position to have, but I mean, in order to exact a successful rebellion, she's going to have to work with other leaders of state, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that Oren would say what he did. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. So Aragon has a uh, tendency to say a lot without saying things. He was like, this is a secret. I don't want Roran to know about Sloan. But when Roran asked him about Sloan, he was like, yeah, no, don't ever ask me about that again. Also, I gave you your stick to a man who needed it a whole lot more than me. It's like, <laughs> man, I'm pretty sure you can put those pieces together. And then again, when he's talking with Nasuada, she's like, okay, like you've been very reticent to talk about who is actually training you. And if I'm going to agree for you to go up to and visit the elves again i kind of need to know like is this trainer going to actually be able to provide you with something that'll help us and aragon's like well it's one of the elves biggest secrets so i can't tell you but let's just say safira and i aren't alone as we have previously <laughs> thought like that is saying uh, that there's another dragon kinda like in, uh, it's kind of like in rings of power when uh elrond and uh i can't remember the Celebrimbor. I, somebody Celebrimbor, yeah somebody they're like did the dwarves give you that mithril? And he's oh, like, yeah. I'm not supposed to say anything about right. that. Wink, I can't I tell you. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't say anything about mithril. <laughs> but wink, wink, wink. Something's in my eye. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Aragon in Elspira and everything, that whole thing. Uh, why did Runan forge Aragorn, Aragon oh, a sword? Gosh. When she said she was like, I'll never do it again. But like, okay, I'll like, I'm going to expose this little loophole because this could be a really badass sword. So it's like, well, why don't you just do it then? Like, I don't right, know. right. It's like, no, no, but I'm going to like take you over. I'm going to be really the puppeteer here. Like Ratatouille, this sword together. And like, I don't know. It, it was, it turned what could have been a really epic, awesome scene into kind of like a clumsy scene where, yeah. Like it would have, you know, it would have worked just fine. And I know I, I, I don't want to rewrite stuff, but it's just, you know, it worked just fine. Is if Runan had said like, I'm never gonna make another sword ever again, and then Aragon like presented her with more material and kind of like explained the situation a little bit more or something or just appealed to her in some way, and she would have been like, you know what? Yeah, okay, let's go, let's do it. And then she right. just like went into a scene where she's making this awesome sword. Like I don't understand. Like it's like. Ah, I don't know. Right, because you could have been like, well, I stopped making swords because I didn't want any more violence to be caused. However, I now realize that by making a sword, I can prevent more violence from being caused than it will be by the sword that I'm making. And she could have logged her way into doing it as opposed to it was like, well, what's the saying where it's like you followed like the letter of the law, but not the right, some, yeah, totally. Yeah, it was I know the spirit of it. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like 
okay, it seems like your your oath doesn't mean jack if you're like, yes, but here's a loophole to <laughs> my own oath. Let's go ahead and exploit this I'm so it's like gonna... effectively the exact same thing. Happened. Ah, like, if Aragon, <laughs> if Aragon wouldn't have had that sword without Runon, no matter which way they went about doing it, then it's still Runon that did it. So it's like... Right, or maybe have him just find the sword under the tree. Like, that been who knows cool. where it's from? That would have been fine. See, not okay, the so or, you know. Here's something. Here's something that I'm a little bit clacker rewriting I'm, this baby. I'm kind of I'm kind of critical about Paulini in a in a couple of these different senses where I feel like Paulini has these ideas and then he gets married to them and doesn't want to delete them, so he just yes. forces them into the story. It's like Aragon's just fine. It was already set up. Like Solenbaum was like Solenbaum was like look under the Manoa tree. You know what I mean? It's like maybe he would have just found a really awesome sword. You know, like that would have right. been. Pretty cool. It would have been. Have it be from uh, like a rock hard wood or something that the Monoa tree gave to him or something or awesome. Something, you know? right? But it's like, no, Paulini was really committed to having it, so this this elf that would never make another sword again. So now we got to go through this whole rigmarole of like finding this metal and doing all this stuff. And it's like, how are these swords forced? Well, I just happened to be walking through the forest one day and a meteorite fell. And that's how I started making all the swords. And like, <laughs> so, and it's like, well, why does any of this matter so like what like right. like uh another thing too kind of more in line with what i was talking about is the, the magic system the magic <laughs> system is just whatever paulini wants it to be and i feel like he just gave up trying to make it consistent if you don't or know now you know like, okay so <laughs> so like uh to a certain extent it makes sense right like i mean like magic saps the user's energy doesn't work if you're too far away that That's works really fine. well but there's no real way for me as the reader to know when Aragon is dangerously close to magic killing him or even injuring him or impairing him in any way. So there's no real danger there. There's no consequence to anything Aragon does for the most part. He can just do magic, lots and lots of magic, and sometimes it makes him a little tired. Aragon just does the magic he needs to do when he needs to do it. And I feel like Paulini set up a consequence, but we can't actually have the consequence happen because the story needs to happen. So now we're in this weird gray area, you know what I mean? Where, where there's just all the magic we want happening and like Aragon just gets sleepy, you know? Right, so I don't, right. Uh, but then he also can just like suck up some twigs around him life and he's back to being good, though it's not nearly as nourishing, but like he's still like 100% <laughs> can pick up Sloan and go off running away, you know? Like the the rings that he gives to Roran and <laughs> Katrina, he's just like, ta-da, here's these rings that I do this made really these. specific thing. And it's like, wait, what? Where did that come from? Like, how did you, why don't you just, why aren't you giving these to everybody? Like, why? Right, you, is this going to sap your strength forever every time they use them? That's or a like, really good question that's never yeah. addressed. <laughs> or like Sloan, when he gets magicked into all the bunny rabbits bringing him food on his like wild course up to Ellis Mira, which like who even knows how he knows which way north is. But like he... Okay, so like, you know, he gets magic or um, Aragon makes a spell that all the birds and the the creatures around Sloan in his travels will bring him food and sustenance. It's like, well, what sort of, you know, as Aragon travels away, is that going to sap his strength more? Or is that like a one and done? Now it's like all my strength is gone because there's mentioned multiple times where it's people are like, can't you do this spell? And he's like, well, no, that won't work because X, Y, Z, and it will sap my strength over time. And we never, and it's like, 
it seems like rules apply in some situations that don't apply in others. And, oh, it's and just that's really the mark of a really, that's the mark of a not very well put together magic system is, is right. inconsistencies and conveniences and contrivances and things like that. Like a, a really good magic system is the reason that you want a magic system to be consistent is so that the context around like the, the situations happening around that magic system are, are affected directly by the rules of that magic system but when you mm -hmm. don't have really rigid rules to that magic system then the 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 situation is also just as malleable as the magic system that you made so it's it's just like all fluff and and no rigidity no consequence no danger or anything so yeah it's kind of yeah 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 it's yeah like and the then it's like thing i probably like, like the least about it yeah i agree and, and just like kind of the ways that it's used sometimes if we've got okay so we've got aragon the ability to like suck up energy from those around him to regain life does he ever like try to use that as an offensive measure and just like suck out like husk all of the soldiers while also creating himself to be a magic energy no, god because that would be a bad thing that's a yeah, bad and, like he has thing. to feel them but, die or something but, but no but, uh, that's like another thing that i wanted to get into is like aragon is a vegetarian like he learns <laughs> that okay so let's just go through this real quick because okay okay after living with the elves Aragon becomes a vegetarian like that could have been a really meaningful evolution of his character that fit with a lot of the setup around that whole situation but it's kind of silly and how the magic works right it's but it's kind of silly to have him like waffle on this in this book like not to mention having him running around like murdering people while they're like begging for their <laughs> lives like it yeah. seems it, there's a there's literally a scene in this book where a man is begging Aragon not to kill him and Aragon does it anyway and then he has to and then he doesn't even think about that at all which I would make a lot of sense for you to think about like that would haunt me in my dreams for decades but right Aragon doesn't give it a second thought but like then he's like out in the middle of the desert and he's like oh I might have to kill a bunny rabbit and it's just like right. wait he, he feels like, like the loss of the tree or the, like the shrubs that he's pulling the juice from it's like what Something else with kind of the magic system that I was like, I roll whatever was like, OK, so we've got this problem that Nasuada comes up with in the first or second book to like to be lace magic lace makers so that her army can be fed. Like cool idea, cool enactment. And here we have Aragon with like kind of gets a little bit tired and is able to pull out three cool balls of gold from the <laughs> ground just by like focusing a little bit like, man. Maybe when the lace plan was presented, like do Vranger, Vrata, whatever the their their magic group could be like, actually, you know, there's like tons of gold on the ground underneath us. It's just a little flex. But if we just pull it up, man, no problem. We got balls of gold, you know, it's just like, OK, sure. But we're uh, making that was, that was that's just for Aragon to be able to apologize to people. That's yeah. yeah come on. Man. <laughs> yeah. You can't just be pulling up gold every time people need gold. That's for that's apology gold. You <laughs> it's know? apology gold. OK, I got a question for you. Sure. Maybe you can help kind of clear this up in my brain because I don't know. Maybe my memory is just terrible or something. But like, Safira shows Aragon a memory when they're in the Elven homeland uh, that Brom gave her. Oh my her god, me. we haven't even gotten to the actual real <laughs> core yeah. of this book. All right, let's, let's okay. Get so on me. she reveals via this memory that's inside of her. I I think maybe you can help me understand that of how it got there, uh, that Brahm is actually Aragon's father, but was not revealed until this point. How, why did she keep this from him for so long? Where did she get the memory? Did she know about it before? Help me here. Okay, so Safira found out that Brahm was Aragon's father, uh, apparently 
in the first book after they left Tyrim for the first time. Wow, what a dick. (laughs) And, like, honestly, I don't really remember, like, why they didn't tell Aragorn. I was hoping that wasn't uh, my the case. eyes kind of glassed over. <laughs> there. Um, I actually didn't have too much of an issue with Brom being Aragon's dad. I think it's. Oh, no. Fine. I think it's. Yeah. Uh, the memory thing was it didn't really make sense, but it was cool. Uh, like Brom I just wanted to, to know why she held it from. I don't know. Um, I think they felt and like he, he couldn't handle it or something. There was he like wasn't even mad about it, but he could handle his like his morbid enemy like being like spawn of this creature and if that were to be found out by like the rest would undermine his whole like being with them she should have been like no no actually actually we don't even have to hide the fact that you're morzan's son because you're actually not and as soon as he got revealed he had that memory they had like a conversation about like how do you feel about that but it wasn't like a Aragon being kind of upset of like Sephiri, you knew this whole time <laughs> you're holding out on me i'm over here like wrestling with my self-identity and who i am and what that this means the blood that runs in my veins being so evil my mom who was like a, turns out a member of the dark hand assassin who loved her job but actually so, didn't Aragon, i uh, know safira safira swore in the ancient language that she wouldn't tell Aragon. but why uh, she says, I swore in the ancient language to keep Brahm's identity a secret from you, and I could not break my oath. Uh, the day after the Urgals attacked us in Tyrim, while you were still unconscious, before I knew what Brahm wished to say, he had me swear to never speak with this with you unless you found out on your own. And then How it just glosses over, like, why Brahm would want that. And then... <laughs> like is there anything else he told you like aragon's just like that all checks out but is there anything else that he told you right uh any other secrets i ought to know like that murtog isn't my only sibling or perhaps how to defeat galvatorix these Uh, major self-identifying things that i've like literally kept me up at night (laughs) struggling with that you could have totally saved (laughs) that was an odd Odd that part was an the, like, odd like, thing. Just, I feel like with a lot of these conversations where there's a lot of things being revealed, um, <laughs> it's again like it's like Paulini just being like, "This is the way that this is all going to shake down." So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have these conversations where the 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 secret is going to be revealed, and then we're going to kind of like backtrack and close up a bunch of loopholes and kind of like retcon stuff. So that so like right. it's like it's like every question that Aragon asks gets more specific the more he finds out so that, that we can keep closing up and just kind of like giving these like kind of like throwaway line answers like oh well Brom just like never really told us about that or he told me he wanted to keep it a secret from you or just whatever and then like, let's move on don't worry about that and it's just like uh, I don't know man like I mean I don't know I feel like uh Brom being Aragon's dad the way that it's explained kind of through the through the text and like uh, kind of like Orimus kind of like gives some more information on like Brom became a, a gardener for Galvatore or Morzan or whatever. And then uh, Morzan and uh, Aragon's mom were like, that wasn't really like a super, I guess, was it like not consensual or something? I don't really know what was going on with yeah, that. Yeah, like it was and told then, by him, by J- by Jayad, that she was like actually a member. She was the original Black Hand, was an assassin and loved her work. But then... Later, it's like, like no, be love. And then, so like, Brom and her fell in love. They had Aragon. Morzan took her something. I don't know. It kind of leans to a bigger thing about this that, you know, we've talked a little bit about story bludgeoning, just like beat it with a stick to get it where it needs to go. And, and I feel like there's 
that's continuously circling around like Aragon not being exposed to information that like in retrospect obviously should have been told to him before that just like that I, that's I don't the know only what the real reason yeah the only real reason is for us as a reader to be like have continuous moments of like whoa that was actually that cool but it's like that shouldn't have ever like another one would be um Oromus and Glader's keeping this information you know it's time it's mentioned time and time again that like we're rushing you through dragon school here because you know the extraneous circumstances make it so we need to you know kind of just jam stuff that traditionally would have taken years before we considered you up, up at the level but the fact that he starts getting mopped up by murtag like why is murtag able to just wreck me time and time again when like his dragon has clearly been like manipulated genetically to grow faster you know which is cool that um Sephira was able to best him like aerial and aerial acrobatics time and time again but morzan completely destroys and wrecks aragon magically in his power time and time again only to learn that there's actually this organ that dragons have the heart of hearts the eldunari that you can tap into and get tons of strength. And like Aromas knew this the whole time. And, and that's why Galbatorix is so powerful. And it was like, man, feels like that should have been revealed to him like way up front. And then, you know, he's like, well, it didn't because early dragons can be, you know, wanting to like woo their riders can give this part of them over to the rider too early. And that's like really hard to do to exist outside your body. And it's kind of this weird thing that's explained. And it was like, right but like maybe just like tell him not to do that and like warn him this is why we didn't tell people but this is something you should surely know because it's something that you're going to have to face if you have any chance of defeating galbatorix yeah i don't know why yeah like why are you holding out aromas and glader uh i don't know (laughs) it's like they're like horcruxes you know it's like yeah like that's, a, it, it, that's what it felt crosses. like to me and, and it was introduced so late in the series and now it's like the only way to kill Gal- galvatorix like it's by finding all these eldunari can you even destroy them do they get used up i don't know i don't know i don't know does he have them just somewhere in like a stack or a pen can aragon tap into him like i don't really understand and when he gives aragon what is that does he give him like a heart or like well, it was bleeding mass to be, or like... to be fair i think there's like a couple parts in eldest where or uh, where Gladiator had said like my hearts like plural and you kind of like oh. like like Pelini definitely I th- Easter right. egg did a little here's what I'm gonna say okay I feel okay. like I, okay so I feel like uh Pelini uh seemed to foreshadow as much as he could and I don't think that this had all been outlined and ready to go when he wrote Aragon when he was 15. You know what I mean? So I think that as right. Paolini got a lot older, this story got a lot more complicated and it ended up being the story that Paolini really wanted to tell, but because of the way that the these other books are published and done when he was like a lot younger and wasn't as experienced or as good of a writer. I mean, like he's definitely a much better writer in Brissinger than he was in Aragon, in my opinion, but like uh, at least on like a line by line you know right I, right like, kind of like basis but like um i feel like he started having these ideas where he's like okay well this would be really great and to explain a lot of this stuff so i'm gonna put it in i'll just have to kind of fit it in here and explain away some of the questions that the that the audience or aragon would have <laughs> sometimes like, literally with a don't worry about that <laughs> 
Yeah, like in this conversation with Brom, Brom says, I really, I, it's like a memory thing that Safira was like holding somehow. Like Brom like recorded himself. He's like, it, it was like, it was literally like a, if you're watching this now, it's because I'm dead. Or, you know what I mean? 100% um, that. <laughs> but uh, in fact, those like, words are literally said. I'm pretty yeah, sure. So. Um, but it says, I realize you may be angry at me for, for keeping this from you. I can't say I would have been happy to discover the name of my own father this way. Whether you like it or not, though, we are family, you and I. Since I could not give you the care I owed you as your father, I will give you one thing i can instead and that is advice it's like he just says i know you're mad at me about this but i'm here's some advice and it's like has nothing to do with like aragon's reasons for being mad at him or anything he just doesn't talk about it and so right like why wasn't he raised in carvajal with brom being his dad i don't understand why that couldn't have been a thing and then brom could have been i don't know i just don't know you know maybe it was to protect him or something even though it seems like being next to him i think it was to protect aragon Uh, that's what most of this seems like it's like they didn't, and this is a this is a pretty specific point that I th- I feel like was handled fairly well. Is that like they didn't know Aragon was going to be a writer, you know? That's like pretty right. important. It's a really important thing to remember here. Is that like Safira picked him and everything, but there was no way they could have known. It's not like okay, we're going to send Brom over here to raise his writer son whenever he comes up, and that's that's right. very he was important. just backwoods in it out of the way Obvi- to like obviously. wait, right? Uh, so that made a lot of sense for sure um but yeah i don't know i just i feel like things were being kept from aragon not because of any real reason but because this needs to happen in this book now and there's not really like a way to explain it and it's good that those things are in the book because it's making things more complicated it's making things more interesting obviously i mean i think moving the story story forward i know i said the horcrux thing but like the the thing with the dragon's like second heart is like cool obviously i want to find out more about that it's much it's honestly much cooler than anything that I thought was going to happen at the end of this book. I, th- I think that's a really interesting development and I'm glad it happened. And I think that because of the way that these books ha- were written over the years and as Christopher was getting a lot older and a lot more experienced, there's just a little, it's got to be forced in a little bit, you know what? And, I, you know right. what I'm, and it's not even really like a hard criticism. I think it's just the way that these books were written out. So, uh, I mean, I would love to ask him about it when we get him on here because I feel like that'd be a pretty interesting question. Like, was there more as you kept writing it? Was there more that you wanted to add in that was difficult to add in mm-hmm. because of the way that the first book was written? And like, you didn't maybe did you have everything outlined or did your outline change or anything? Right. Like that? And I mean, we can kind of put it in and this to this um, framework in order to ma- have it make a lot more sense or at least be like, yeah, okay, I get this. Was imagine the growth that you, Evan, and me, Chad, experienced as a person between 15 and 20 now imagine yeah you know and it's like imagine the difference that he experienced just as a writer not only his growth as a person and over those years but also in his skill and craft as a writer it's like he has expanded a lot and i think a lot of what our complaints are founded in him being a far superior writer and kind of having to jam things back into his beginning book when he wasn't and in order to increase the scope of his story and the the depth and the the driving factors behind everything you know he kind of grew the story as he was growing but it, as doing so kind of had to beat the heck out of some of the 
the it's reasonings really, the, in the, the beginning more that we talk, The more that we talk this out, the more fascinating this specific series kind of is to me because it's like <laughs> it's such a unique situation and it's such a unique series uh, in in that, you know, Alini was so young when he started it and then it grew into this really complex thing that you can feel it when you're reading this book that he was so passionate about what was going on in here. I mean, like every chapter, even if I thought the chapter was boring, Paolini certainly did not. Like Paolini right. wanted this stuff in here. Oh uh, yeah. I'm sure that some of it got edited out too. I bet he wrote like a thousand pages for this thing. Um, you know, especially if you've been, if you've been living and working in this world for so long, you're going to want to add every little thing, every little stick and branch. And uh, I just kept kind of tripping over them now and then because I, wanted aragon again i want aragon four times in a row right but i don't think that's what paulini wanted you know no and so if and that's fair that's 100 fair it's his story um but yeah there's just definitely some things in here where it's just like okay well, i guess we just don't really need to worry about that right <laughs> okay, like okay. especially you know a great example of what you're talking about is like the love between aria and aragon or aragon's affection for her it's like you know as a 15 year old it's like you really like that girl that you're sitting behind it's like well why well it wasn't because of like all these deep reasons it was just like you were infatuated with her you were like yeah. the way she smelled and it was like this you don't even that know as takes a kid. A back seat to some other stuff later as you get older too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's kind of happening in this book. Yeah, and maybe he's trying to pull yeah. back and be like, okay, I now understand a little bit more about like love and romance. So maybe I'll pull this back a little bit and kind of start it up from again yeah. and have some like moments. Like I did actually like the moment of Arya and him working together to defeat like 20 or something guys, which was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And then they have this like kind of moment out there where Aragon, it, it, he's very like careful with it. He like grabs her hand at one point because they're having like a, she's telling him something about their past and he's like consoling her. And then she like shifts after 20 seconds and he realizes like, oh, and that's the moment and it's done. And I pull nice. back and yeah, it was like, like nice, cool. Aragon. All right, yeah, cool. all right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be like, and you are more devastatingly beautiful than the golden rose that our love just kind of created, which was, you know, might disturb some economies in the future having this field of golden roses whatever i thought it was pretty cool i thought it was pretty cool too <laughs> yeah um you know as much criticism as i kind of like laid at the feet of this book i, I definitely there, there were more parts i enjoyed than parts that i didn't um but the uh you know like the nerd in me wants everything to line up in a certain way and sometimes they don't right uh but uh one thing that i really really did enjoy that i've enjoyed this entire time is safira uh safira is just awesome uh, just awesome she seems to be um besides auric uh and maybe naswada like the most genuine and like confidently written character in this series uh, i loved when they were at the manoa tree and she gets impatient and just starts digging under it that was awesome uh, her devotion to aragon and like blind fits of rage would would like maybe seem silly to me but they're also balanced out so well with these little pockets of wisdom and like also the absolute tragedy that she's facing by being one of the last dragons in Elysia, yeah, which that's when, gotta be rough when gladiator died at the end of this book like safira's reaction to it that was oh that was intense that was a very well-written reaction to that because yes. it was like like i realized at the same time safira realized like oh my god like that was the last like sane like like realistic option and to kill me yeah oh man that was really brutal uh so yeah safira um in my opinion like really carries uh, a lot of this of this story on her back she carries a lot of people on her back 
she she's just a very genuine awesome character whenever she's on the page and we got a Safira point of view chapter which i thought was really yeah. nice too uh, maybe two two of them something uh, like but, that but we got one to of, see uh, Safira point of view which i i was really excited to see same one of my favorite lines uh which just goes to show like how awesome she is and kind of how she can't be the end all be all for like advice because she's so wise it's like well why doesn't she always give aragon really good advice it's like well they kind of see things from different perspectives and one of the lines that best portrays that is aragon's like what should i do i forget what they're talking about but he's like what should i do what should i do and she's like well if i were you i would rip off his head and then yeah. feast on his <laughs> literally corpse. murder all of them <laughs> yeah and then yeah. feast on his corpse but i and then she goes but i don't think that would be the best for you i think <laughs> even though like maybe though you should eat him she says something like, uh, you don't you don't enjoy the bloodlust like I do or something like that. It's <laughs> yeah. like some really, really intense line. Yeah. I was like, damn, Zafira. Yeah. I mean, it's cool because like it makes sense. She's a dragon. She's not human. She's not a right. She's a she's a mystical, dangerous, violent animal. Right. That's what so like she while is. she's wise and her advice is great, it can't always be followed by Aragon because like he clearly shouldn't like rip off their heads and no. eat the body his enemies <laughs> and honestly i'm really glad that she, and i think i might have mentioned this in the first episode but i'm so glad that that palini chose to write safira in this like really nuanced way it, mm -hmm. she's very much her own character and she's not just a foil to aragon she's not just like the 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 polar opposite of this writer and they have to like get through their differences that way and she's always calling aragon an idiot or something like that would have gotten <laughs> old so fast instead what she is is she's complimentary to Aragon, which is yes. perfect. And her being complimentary to Aragon and Aragon being complimentary to her while they're both growing through this situation is easily the the best part of this series, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's 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 the main thing, it's the main relationship. It's awesome. And it's handled very, very well. Um, you know, and, and as we kind of wrap up here, I mean, like, I know we kind of grilled this one. Uh Everybody, I know that the the series is so important to so many people, and it's I didn't want like me. this. It's important to me too, uh, to a certain extent. But like, I definitely didn't want uh, an hour and some change uh, episode of us just like totally tearing apart a book that is really important to a lot of people and got a lot of people reading, and you know, it was it was very um, instrumental in a lot of people's formative years of reading fantasy and things like that. And I think it, uh, it there's so much in here that totally makes sense why it resonates so much with people. I just thought it was a little too long. That's kind yeah. of like my, 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 my final verdict is just, yeah, it was, it was really, really long. I long. agree. It's, it's funny to me. And I'll, I think I said this earlier, but I'll repeat it. You know, that in my brain, I remember this as such a, a dragony action filled romp. And when I read it now, it's like, man, there's a lot of scenes where Aragon's like trying to fit in with the women of Carvajal by need and dough. And you're like, wow, <laughs> that's not an action. I know, there's a wrong. part, there's a part where like where Aragon and, um, Oremus are talking and it's like a pretty intense scene. And then like a hummingbird comes and like flits over to them. And it's like this whole paragraph. Yeah. And it's just like, why is this here? Like, right. Like I, why is Jayad and his wife and the struggle maybe, of maybe her past being something. like a merchantling, like ugh, a thing. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm definitely curious to see how this all wraps up. I mean, I feel like I know. I'm gonna predict. Okay, and this is the last book that I've read actually, yeah, so, so the, I haven't finished. One, we're both going the, to new territory. We're going into the conclusion of this of the inheritance cycle, totally blind, both of us. So um, here's here's what I'm gonna predict, and then you can do a prediction, and we'll wrap this up. 
because we've been okay. we've been rambling about we this. have been rambling <laughs> but i think that aragon is going to defeat galbatorix but it's going to come at the cost of murtag i think murtag is going to die but after it's going to be like a um <laughs> so sorry it's gonna be like it's Star Wars, where like you know, <laughs> yeah, like it's mirrored like, a lot Ar- of Star Wars yeah, already. <laughs> I mean, like Aragon is gonna see the good in Murtag, but it's gonna like he's gonna he's, Murtag's gonna end up doing the right thing, but he's gonna die. Uh, I think that's gonna happen. Um, I agree. I before you move on, I agree with that totally. Except I think Murtag is gonna be the one to deal the dealing the the death blow. Maybe yeah, that would be even more like Star Wars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, and then I think um, it's an emperor sparkles from his hands shooting and throws him into the chasm. Yeah, but I think um, also there's gonna be some kind of resolution with the dragon riders too. I don't know what that's gonna be, but I feel like they're gonna like they're either gonna find more. Or they're gonna find out about more, or they're gonna find out a way to like reinstate the dragon riders in some capacity. I think that's gonna have to be tied up at some like it can't just end with like no more dragon riders, I feel like. So I feel like that's also gonna be a thing. So uh, I don't know how exactly they're gonna get to it. The dragon second heart thing is obviously gonna come into play. Um, I don't really see any more major characters dying for some reason. Like I don't know. I don't see Roran or Arya. Maybe Nuswata. I could maybe see Nuswata dying. Yeah, or like um, Angela. Though I don't see it. She's no, there. No, the, we can't da, kill Angela. She's standing no. on the side with Solomon. Yeah. Angela needs to stick around. I like Angela's super cool. She's uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I almost want to say, and I know this is contradicting me being like Murtag will be the one to deal the death blow, but like I almost want to say that there's something inside me that says Nasuwata and him are getting together. Nasuwata and Aragon. And Murtag. Oh, interesting. She's always been like kind of sweet on him. She visited him while he was in captivity. She was really sad when she learned that he was Maybe. dead. Yeah, and I then also when that. he was in, she's always been like really like, man, she had like a t- shows once when he's talking about Murtag being like the things that he went through to be um, twisted in order to be like an agent yeah. for Galbatorix, like a single tear goes down her face. And I was like, I think, I don't know. Maybe. I feel like I, this I, book I, might end in just like super, super good news and like no one major dies. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I could definitely see that. Uh, I, I For a second, I thought that Aragon and Nuswata were going to get together, but I kind of really like, I like platonic that relationships too. a lot. I think they're great. Not everybody needs to be smashing and not everyone needs to mm-hmm. be crushing on each other all the time. Like just because you have like a girl and a guy in a situation like does not necessarily mean that they need to get together. Right. Um, And that chapter that you're, or that paragraph that you're specifically thinking about was Aragon even went out of his way to say, it's really nice to have a friend on the opposite sex. And I was like, okay, I don't think that that's where this is going. Cause he was, he said like he was charmed by her and enjoyed hanging out and it almost seemed, but then he went out of his way to be like, I like having a female friend. And so I was like, okay, I don't think this is going the romantic way. So I do think this is going to end with, end with Aragon and Arya together. I don't know either, either the book's going to Murtag's going to deal the death blow or he's going to be good. And his dragon thorn will be the one that mates with Sephira or they'll both die. And this book will end. The next one will end with like 
like everything being fixed, but Saphira kind of sad, like there's still not a mate for me. And then like the dragon hatchling, like cracking open for somebody. It would maybe make more Elva. sense so that because I, I keep hearing like rumblings that there's like a fifth book coming out. Um, oh, so if there's a fifth book, like maybe there is like maybe that's Aragon and Saphira, like looking for more dragon riders or something like that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, there might be one in the in the wild still. All right, I think it's time to wrap this up because we have an 850-page book to go read. And, we do. Uh, we have an episode to make about that one, too. I'll Everybody... end by saying, hopefully no one yells, Bersinger, while he's riding along and just lights a sword on fire for him. <laughs> <laughs> that was so dorky. Ah, my hip, my hip. <laughs> that was, like, kind of dumb and then funny, you know, and then kind of <laughs> yeah. dumb again. You know, totally. or, or maybe it was funny and then dumb and then funny again. I can't remember. Right. I was feeling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Chad and I had a lot to say about this, obviously, but uh, you know, this is a this is a podcast about books, so I feel we're gonna book okay out from time to time. <laughs> anyway, uh, everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Join us on our next episode, the last episode of the Inheritance Cycle for Inheritance, and then we'll be having Christopher Paolini on. Right, and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email us. You'll find the email in the description beneath this episode. We will. Uh, uh, either quote your name or not quote your name whatever you tell us to do but if you want a little shout out we can be like Rick asked this question we always love hearing from people and asking the questions that you guys want answered everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody <laughs> <laughs>